We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 Matthew chapter 6 in our study this morning and we're going to be looking at verses 24 through 34 as we think about the threat to peace. There are a number of things that threaten the peace that passes all understanding. Last week we looked at one of the things that typically robs us of peace and that is guilt. We talked about that last Sunday night. The idea for this lesson came about a couple of weeks ago as I was speaking to a group and I was talking about peace and some of the things that rob us of peace and I spoke that night on worry and anxiety. And I got to thinking about how there are a number of things that typically rob us of the peace that passes all understanding that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. And so in light of that, I want us to talk today about one of the real threats to the peace that passes all understanding in our hearts and lives today, and that is worry, anxiety. I want to ask this question. Are you a worry wart? Did you know that many psychologists today agree that America is in a state of perpetual worrying? creating, as they say, a culture of anxiety. And there are a lot of people in our world today, there are a lot of us, that typically find ourselves worrying about any number of things on a daily basis. And so in Matthew chapter 6, I want to call attention to what Jesus has to say about worry and anxiety. I want to begin our study by first talking about the cause of worry. And Jesus, in this context, is going to describe five reasons why we typically worry in life. And in light of that, I want you to listen to what he asked in verse 28. We talk about the cause of worry. In verse 28, Jesus simply asked, Why do you worry? Now we're going to look at what he says in this context, but I want you to be thinking about why you worry. What is it that causes you to worry, to stress, to have anxiety in life? The first thing that Jesus talks about is our finances. Look at verse 24. He said, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Many of us, from time to time, stress out about our financial condition. And those of you that have children, that have young children, and you're trying to live on a budget, you understand that sometimes it can be very tight. And so 
It's not uncommon for us as members of the human family to stress, to worry over our financial situation in life. And Jesus here is saying, look, that's a real possibility. There is a second reason identified by Jesus. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. Some people worry not just about their financial situation, but they worry about their food. That is, what they're going to eat. Now, Jesus links to this our fashion. Note again what he said. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? There's a tremendous passage of Scripture found over in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, We brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. But having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. So Jesus is saying to us, Look, I understand sometimes you become anxious. You worry about your finances. You worry about your food. You worry about your fashion. But then there is a, another reason why people sometimes worry. It has to do with their frame. Drop down and look, if you would, at verse 27. Jesus asked this question. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature. A cubit is typically defined as about 18 inches. In ancient times, they would measure a cubit from a person's elbow to the middle finger, and that would be about 18 inches. Now, some would say that when Jesus uses the word stature here, he's talking about our height. And the idea is, by worrying, do you really think you can increase your size here upon this earth? But there is also another possibility, and that is that the word stature would refer to the age of a person. And the idea is, do you think worrying can add to the longevity of your life here on earth? And really and truly, the bottom line is, instead of contributing to the longevity of our life here upon this earth, it will probably diminish our longevity. So, he said, we worry about our finances, we worry about food, we worry about our fashion, we worry about our frame, and then, fifthly, he said, we worry about the future. Drop down and look at verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many times do you find yourself in life worrying about what's going to happen, what possibly, potentially might happen tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or next year? You remember Solomon said, boast not about tomorrow. And then he said, who knows what a day may bring forth? 
Many of us sometimes stress out about what we think might happen down the road. And so Jesus here presents for us five legitimate reasons why typically we as people in the human family worry in life. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First we talk about the cause of worry, but what about the cost of worry? Jesus is going to say to us that worry is counterproductive first to our faith. Worry is counterproductive to our faith. First of all, in this point, he presents his case. And then secondly, he's going to present his conclusion. First of all, note if you would, verse 26 in light of this. We're talking about worry being counterproductive to our faith. And so Jesus is going to present his cases. He's going to talk about the fowl of the air and the flowers of the field. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. He said, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Then look at verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He talks about, as I said a moment ago, the birds of the air, and then the flowers of the field. Well, what's the point? What's, what's the conclusion presented by Jesus? Here's the conclusion. Go back, and look, go back again and look at verse 26. First, he addresses our value before the Father. Look at the, birds of the, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? All he's saying is, look, if God has the ability to care for the birds of the air, don't you think he'll take care of you? Yes. Well, why? Because you are of more value than many sparrows, than many birds. God views you as, a, as an object of worth of supreme value. And then drop down again. Look at verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. He said, yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is, tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Now listen to what he asks. Oh, you of little faith. You see, when you worry, it's counterproductive to your faith. What the Lord is saying is, first and foremost, you need to understand, God takes care of the birds. He provides their food. You can see it every day. 
Look at the grass of the field. God clothes the grass of the field, doesn't he? If he clothes the grass of the field, look, he's going to take care of you. That's the point. So, is worry counterproductive to our faith? Yes. So he talks about our value before the Father and then our vanity before the Father. Drop down and look if you would. Look at verse 31. Jesus said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Now look at verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I want to ask you a question. Does God know what you need in life? Does God know what you need physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Yes, He does. Is, is God not willing to meet those needs? Yes, He is. What Jesus is saying is, look, when you stress out and worry about the things that have just been identified, He said, here's, here's the bottom line. You're acting like the heathen people do. Look, you're acting like an unbeliever. Listen again, verse 32. For all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows exactly what we need in life. Not only does He know what we need in life, He knows when we need them, doesn't He? David, many, many years ago, said, I've been young, I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. So you think about a God in heaven that understands our needs. So first, worry is counterproductive to our faith. And then secondly, it's counterproductive to our frame. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you what. If you spend a lot of time worrying about life, about the various things of life, and you're stressed to the max, it will take its toll on you, won't it? There are people today that because of chronic worry, because of this age of anxiety, there are people that are suffering physically. They have all kinds of stomach problems. They have headaches, migraines. They have hypertension, high blood pressure. You could just go on and on about the physical problems that people have because of worry. Think again about what Jesus asked. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you think worrying is going to help you physically and mentally, you're wrong. It will not be productive. It will be counterproductive to who you are, what you are, and what you're trying to do in life. And what Jesus is saying is you need to learn to trust. Trust the Lord. Remember what Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. So you think about trusting God. 
stress, anxiety, worry. It's a terrible burden physically and even mentally and emotionally. There are people all over this globe that turn to alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, I mean, you name it. People look to all kinds of things. They look in all, all kinds of different directions for help with worry and stress. And yet in this context, Jesus is going to give us the cure for worry. So let's think about the cure for worry. I want to begin by, first of all, calling attention to the command of Jesus. Could I ask you a question today? If Jesus commands us to do something, what does that mean? If you were sitting across the table from Jesus and he said, look, here's what I want you to do, would you think, would you think that would be an obligation? Would, wouldn't it? So I want you to hear what Jesus says. I want you to understand this is not me talking. This is not pop psychology. It's not philosophy. This is what Jesus says. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, Therefore I say to you, listen to him, do not worry. That's a command. Jesus said, do not worry. Look at verse 28. You remember he asked the question, why do you worry? Look at verse 31. Verse 25, Jesus said, I say to you, do not worry. Verse 31, therefore, do not worry. What was that? That's a command, isn't it? Two times Jesus has said, do not worry. Now look at verse 34. Again, therefore, do not worry. You think the Lord's trying to tell us something? Sometimes repetition is a tremendous tool for teaching. And sometimes on the first go-around, we don't get it. And one of the reasons why we teach, we continue to teach, we reteach, we reemphasize is because how many times do we hear something and it flies right over our heads? So what Jesus is saying is, look, number one, do not worry. Number two, do not worry. Number three, do not worry. You got that? You got it? That's what Jesus said. Do not worry. So what about the cure? Is there a cure for worry? There is. I want you to know that there is a cure for your worry, your anxiety, your stress in life. Well, what about, what about this cure? First, First and foremost, Jesus calls attention to the Father, doesn't he? Look again at verse 26. You remember, you remember Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look at verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He's saying you need to learn to trust the Father. God will take care of you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God looks out for your well-being? 
Do you believe that God wants the absolute very best for you? Many of us would say yes. The problem is sometimes we hear the antidote, but what do we do? We don't take the advice, do we? Ever seen somebody go to, go to the medical doctor? And the doctor says, all right, here's what you need to do. You need to lose some weight. You need to start exercising. You need to change your diet. If you do this, you'll be in good health. And what do we do? We keep, we keep overeating. We don't exercise and we don't change our diet. So what happens? Stay in bad shape. We don't get any better. Jesus is saying, look, if you want the cure for worry, anxiety, here it is, number one, he stresses the Father. There's a second thing. He stresses being focused. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What things? Finances, food, our fashion, our frank, all the things that we've been talking about. You focus your life on living for God, seeking Him in your life, doing what He says to do, and what will He do? He'll bless you. He'll bless you with the things that you need in this life. Do you believe that? Do you remember what David said? I've been young and now I'm old. And I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants, his seed, begging for bread. Look, I haven't seen all and I don't know it all. But I have trust in what the Lord says. And I trust that if I'll do what He says, then He will fulfill His promise. You believe that? You ought to. The Bible talks about how God cannot lie. The Lord is in the business of fulfilling His promises, isn't He? There's a third thing that Jesus stresses. First, He stresses the Father. Secondly, for us to be focused, and third, he stresses the future. Listen to him in verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here's what Jesus is saying. You don't need to be worried about tomorrow. Why is that? Because you have a full plate today. You have more today than you can say grace over, don't you? So he's saying, don't worry about it. The other day I happened to hear a interesting observation made about the manager of the Chicago Cubs. He was talking about the Cubs going to the World Series. And they were asking him about his reaction to all of that and the thoughts, the process, the, the thought process that was going into that. And he said, here's what I told my players. He said, look around. 
and see everything that's going on around you. And he said, enjoy the moment. I got to thinking about that in comparison to my own life. I was talking to Nancy yesterday. And I said, you know, if I could go back and be 25 again, there are a lot of things I'd do differently. Sometimes I think we have a tendency as young folks to push the envelope and and we want time to accelerate. I I don't know why that is, but we do. And and so I, I think back to when I was 25, 26, 27 years old. And my advice to our young folks would be this. When you're 25, 26, 27, don't be thinking about when you're 35, 36, 37, or 45, or 55, or whatever. You enjoy every single day. You get up in the morning, and you take a deep breath, and you give thanks to God for another day of life, and you bask in the radiance of that day. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. If you're a young parent, enjoy. Enjoy your kids. They'll be gone before you know it. Enjoy where you are in this life. Don't worry about tomorrow. There were a lot of things that I had in my mind that I just had to do when I was 27, 28, 29 years old. And looking back, if I had just slowed down, and said, you know what, I'm just going to take it as it comes. But you see, the tendency is to push it, to think about tomorrow. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you take it one day at a time. You trust God and you enjoy the moment. You enjoy where you are in life because it'll be over before you know it. Enjoy it. You only go around one time in this life. I told somebody not long ago, a young person, I said, look, if I could trade places with where you are today in terms of age, just bring me the paperwork. I will gladly sign over everything I have. What what I have, you can have it. I can make money. I can't make time. And so, enjoy it. Enjoy the time you have. And Jesus is saying that many, many times in life we rob ourselves of peace and happiness and contentment and satisfaction. You know why? Because we become our own worst enemy. We worry. We stress. And there's a cure for it. So if you're here today and your life is stressed to the max and you don't have the Lord as a part of your life, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus wants you to identify Him as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. 
If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess His name, be buried with Him in baptism, the assurance is God will forgive every sin, Acts 2.38. He'll add you to the church, Acts 2.47. And if you're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're a Christian and you're living in worry and you're struggling and your life is filled with anxiety, let me tell you what, you're not alone. It might be the case that you've prayed and you've prayed and there are things on your mind, there are things in your life that you just feel like you're having a tough time with. I want you, I want you to know this. You can come forward today and ask us to pray with you and for you. Why? Because we're family. And I really believe that, as James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if you've got problems in your life, the Lord can help. If you have sin in your life, James said, confess your trespasses, your sins one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray for you today. God will abundantly pardon. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love